morning, Henry. How's your day so far? Good morning. Quite a busy day. It's still beautiful weather, but yeah, quite a nice day. How's yours? Uh, good. I'm recording podcasts. It's always good when I can do that. <laughs> Before <laughs> <Do> we, <you? laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, you. Uh... Yeah, that's what I do. Um, before we uh, start this episode, just um, a little note. We haven't mentioned that before, but we have just a few weeks ago started our Twitter account for Curiously Polar. So um, you'll find it under Curiously Polar on Twitter. And we are using that to, well, to let you know when new episodes come out, but also um we will uh retweet interesting stuff that is about the arctic and the antarctic and uh you can get your information from there we're trying to be a bit of uh well not quite a news service but maybe a bit of a curator for you so if you want some information and you like what we do here then that's probably a good a good thing to follow so go to twitter curiously polar and follow us and one thing that uh that we put on there pretty much at the beginning of this little twitter account is uh something that has just happened in early may and that is a bit disconcerting right yeah it is well actually there's a a nice background to that so basically in the beginning of may um the arctic council just came together in uh, northern finland in uh, rovaniemi and maybe, maybe uh, let's, the, let's first explain what the Arctic Council is to give a bit of background here. Sure, the the Arctic Council is an intergovernment body of um, all Arctic states. Arctic states are considered states with have a natural border to the Arctic region. So we are talking about eight states here, and um, it's not only the eight Arctic states, but also um, indigenous groups have a permanent seat there, have a permanent saying, and we have a lot of observers in there which are non-Arctic states, but also um, international organizations. Um, yeah, the, the last one which was um, confirmed as an observer was the International Maritime Organization, for example, which is now an observer of the Arctic Council. Okay, what uh, is the purpose of the Arctic Council? The Arctic Council is... Um, Co coordinating um, pretty much all um, all matters of the Arctic region. Uh, it mainly has work groups um, in research, so they're researching quite a lot. They're developing um, together. It's a, a constant place of exchange. So the Arctic countries are just um, exchanging thoughts, they're um, negotiating, they're talking with each other, they're trying to find common solutions to uh, common problems, and um, yeah, it's for, for them, it's the arena of um, cooperation. And that's something that developed throughout um, the last years. Um, the Arctic Council was um, inaugurated in 1996, and um, since then, we have a very, very peaceful um, work in there. And especially when you consider the political developments in the, in the past five, ten years, where you can see that especially the, um, yeah, the work together with Russia 
um, is considered to be a little bit difficult. In the last couple of years, the work with the United States have become a little bit difficult. Um, in the Arctic Council, we have a very, very different perspective here. The work with um, Russia, for example, is uh, a very good one. So Russia is a, a very good negotiation partner here in the Arctic Council. It's a very reliable partner in the Arctic Council. Uh, same goes for, for the United States, for all the um, parties involved here. And this makes it very, very special, um, the Arctic Council, compared to other intergovernal bodies. Okay, so uh, the Arctic Council meets regularly and um, then, then they... What comes out of it? Is there like something tangible, like a contract, like a, a declarations, or what do they do? We have different things that come out of the Arctic Council. Basically, the Arctic Council has um, all year round working groups, different working groups. They um, are re releasing reports very, very regularly. Um, the Arctic Council itself, so the ministerial meeting, is um, happening all two years when uh, a new Arctic country is taking over the chairmanship of the Arctic Council. And those chairmanships are connected to a certain program. And uh, through that program, the research groups or the uh, work groups try to focus on certain aspects and certain topics. So each and every chairmanship has a certain um, approach to uh, topics they like to, to um, pin out, to focus on. And in, in the end of the ministerial meeting, every two years, there is a declaration which um, formulates the ambitions, the goals of the Arctic states for the next two years. And this is kind of the, yeah, the key release of um, the Arctic Council. Yeah. Okay. And, and this is kind of then being used as guidance from uh, by other states, I guess. Yeah, it's it's something you can um, just refer to. It's uh, it's kind of a roadmap. Mm -hmm. It's um, something you can pin pin down scientific projects. Uh, you can uh, yeah start new efforts in in the region of development. And um, yeah, that's what the this declaration is useful. Okay, so this uh, Arctic Council uh, has been doing this for for how long? When when did they start? When did they come together first? 1996. 96. Okay, and uh, they have. They have. Yeah. Okay, they have. They have every other year. They have this uh, big meeting, and uh, they they have a declaration, a resolution that comes out of that. Um, and uh, the reason we're putting this uh, out right now is because we just had one of these big meetings, and uh, again, something happened there that wasn't that that positive right yeah that's true so what happened in, in Rovaniemi is that um, Finland has uh, yeah, given over the, the chairmanship to Iceland so Iceland took over and for about two three weeks prior to that um, ministerial meeting the delegations of the Arctic nations have negotiated the typical declaration and uh, what turned out there is that the united states have tried to wash out all kind of wordings regarding uh, global warming or climate change 
while the seven other nations have been aware of that which is kind of a it's a very important topic in the arctic we we know for a fact that the arctic region is warming at a tremendous speed compared to the rest of the world two to four times faster than the rest of the world so we know that this has a huge impact on the change of the area and all the um, arctic nations are aware of that and now the United States um, pulled back a little bit. And um, yeah, what actually happened, it's for the very first time in the history of the Arctic Council, there was no joint declaration at the end. And uh, Pompeo, the um, Secretary of State of the United States, he held a speech um, prior to the ministerial meeting. It wasn't even after the meeting. It was um, just before it started. And that was a very, very interesting um, <laughs> controversial speech, you could say, right? <laughs> very controversial indeed, where he had a very interesting wording. He, uh, in fact, um, yeah, was basically saying that the shrinking sea ice um, presents new opportunities for, for trade. Um, the Arctic is an arena of global power and competition. And he actually opened a, a, a way of arguments which is not known in the Arctic uh, region so far. So, so far, everybody um, has a consensus on the danger of the threat of um, the um, shrinking sea ice for the whole globe. It's not just for the Arctic region. We have an impact on the whole um, world. And that's the very first time that a, a top official of one of the Arctic states is actually putting that in a positive a positive light. Uh, we have talked about <laughs> similar this things is, um, in an earlier this is, episode. This is totally crazy. Yeah, we, we talked about this in episode, um, let me see, uh, 47, which was the climate change impact on Arctic indigenous people, where we argued that uh, the climate change is... It, might be positive for some of them because they have access to new resources but this is this is taking this to an entirely new level right exactly that's the point so when we talk about indigenous people then um we think that the new opportunities we have there might benefit those uh, local communities what um the Secretary of State of the United States actually is saying there is that um, yeah, the, the typical big corporations uh, can just use the Arctic Ocean as a playground for uh, exploitation, for sea routes, for uh, transport. And this is nothing um, Arctic communities will profit from. So it's not it's neither Alaskan um, indigenous groups nor any other indigenous group in the Arctic which profits from from those developments and this is probably a very very alarming signal it, it rubs me very much the wrong way if someone says hey we're losing the arctic sea ice that's great now we can use that to go with our ships through it so uh, loss of sea ice is a good thing and that's definitely not a good thing what what is the impact of the loss of sea ice on the rest of the planet well we have sea um, sea level risings we have um, more um, warmer temperatures in the Arctic. The Arctic works as kind of a, 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 a refrigerator for the rest of the world, for the climate. So we have actually 
um, ocean currents, but we also have wind currents. And uh, if they change because of a warming north, that will affect uh, the, the whole planet. It affects the whole climate. Um, a warmer ocean, uh, and that's uh, an impact we can already see, changes um, the ocean currents, which also affects the Gulf Stream. So we have different weather um, phenomena in Central Europe, for example. We have different weather phenomena in uh, Northern America. So we can see the impacts already, and that's just the beginning. I mean, we still have um, plenty of sea ice, even though it is shrinking. But if that just disappears or just shrinks even further, we will have much, much bigger impacts which are threatening um, the whole world. And I'm kind of speechless about this because that seems very short-sighted. That seems very... Um, that, that seems to be a very short-term benefit for one party and no benefit for anyone else. And it also seems to... By painting this in a positive light, it also seems to undermine any effort to help stop that, any any effort to help um, make the impact of climate change as small as possible. And that's exactly how that speech was received internationally. All the media covering um, the Arctic Circle meeting uh, the Arctic Council meeting um, actually have put it in the same way. So what we see here is a very, very um, short-sighted uh, de decision, a short-sighted um, approach on how to deal with the change in the Arctic region. It's not even just only one party uh, might benefit. It might even more parties being benefiting from that. But it's not the majority and not the majority of the planet it's a very, very small group, and that's kind of the biggest threat we face in the Arctic area right now. So far, we had a consensus on the threats going on, on the changes uh, that imposes that uh, those threats. And what we see now is that one party just backs out on that um, joint consensus and is just following their own agenda, and that basically just goes in line with the America First policy um, mm. formulated by the Trump administration from the very beginning. So it's nothing that actually should really surprise. Still, it did. So what are the consequences of that? Not, not that I think we have an answer, but maybe a thought of it. The, co the consequences in that very moment was that um, the other seven nations just sat together and um, they formulated uh, a less official um, paper, which they all signed. It was not um, the typical declaration. It was just a statement, uh, a ministerial statement, where they actually stated that the majority um, just sees the Arctic um, uh, the, the global warming, the climate change as uh, a threat to the Arctic and um, still have to work on that. Um, that, by the way, was also signed by the United States. So they actually agree that the majority understands that as the biggest challenge to tackle. But they weren't willing uh, to agree on even a soft climate change wording. I mean, when you look into the declarations of the Arctic Council, it's never a very hard 
um, formulation of um, climate change and is um, is the, the the biggest threat. And, and this is this is I mean we have to point this out. This is about wording in the end. At least this is what it comes down to. Um, where uh, Pompeo didn't want to have the words climate change in there, right? Exactly. That's the the, the main thing. I mean, we we know since the beginning of the uh, Trump campaign that the Trump administration um, is a climate critics. Um, they have shrunken down all the research efforts in the environmental agency in in the states um they try they backed out on the um paris agreement on uh, climate change so we have seen that as there there are a lot of um implications leading to that decision in the arctic council however that weakens um from my opinion the the work of the arctic council because the united states after they um backed out on foreign um uh foreign policy for quite some time after the trump administration um started um its office they now are heading back they are filling those gaps or they're actually um they're they're threatened by other nations filling the gaps they left and try to push back as a powerful nation and they push back with um the wrong the wrong aspects, the wrong wording to 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 be bluntly here. What's also very um, uh, controversial, um, controversially received, is another part of the speech of Pompeo, and that actually um, gained a much much bigger international coverage than the our uh, climate change wording, and that was that the United States states actually um, named Russia as aggressive in in the arctic and um they also slapped china in the face which has an observer status in the um in the arctic council and uh, china itself sees itself as a near arctic state and pompeo was um, formulating in his speech very clear that there are arctic states and non-arctic states there is no third um third party and even if china sees it itself as a near arctic state it doesn't change its status at all and uh, he actually formulated a sentence um that's uh, very interesting in a international um a diplomatic um point of view and he actually claimed that the arctic should not become or transform into a new south china sea with a fraud of uh, militarization and competing territory claims which is interesting because if we see this habit, um, how the United States appeared on the international stage of the Arctic Council, we have a similar behavior here now on the side of the United States, which, to be fair, when we look into um, into the Arctic strategy papers of uh, the United States, they haven't really updated that. Um, and just by by the request by the demand of um the senate uh even the um the uh, united states coast guard was the only one that updated their arctic strategy so far there is um a new paper in the line from the u.s navy as well but it still is not published yet so we have still no updated um overall 
Arctic strategy here from the United States. The last strategy uh, dates back to 2013. And given that, we have a very, very um, mixed uh, impact here, a very mixed picture that uh, the United States painted on the Arctic Council. So um, I'm trying to find a way to end this on a positive note because I don't want to leave the listeners hanging with with <laughs> something like this but i'm not sure if there is a positive angle oh there is a positive angle i mean um the the new chairmanship um the icelandic foreign minister uh just formulated the goals of the arctic council and um that's definitely talking with each other strengthening the arctic council and um the the positive effect is that the other seven nations they just um, went closer together and figured out that they all agree on what are the problems to tackle for the next two years. And what we see on sides of the United States is what we've seen in the past three years already, that the United States foreign policy turns to be erratic and um, untenable. So we, we actually see on the other side that the Arctic um, Council itself knows or understands what the tasks are, what the challenges for the future are, and they agree on that. So there, there is no um, back to normal, but there is uh, a broad common understanding, even in the global community, and uh, that's a very, very positive outcome out of the Arctic Council. So the the one party being kind of the, the spoil sport is is leading to the other parties getting closer together and being kind of uh, reinvigorated in a way. Yeah, in a way. Yes, uh -huh. definitely. Okay, so let's let's leave it on that note. <sighs> the whole topic of politics is just very, very cumbersome. Anyway, this was Curiously Polar episode... Um, 80, no, 50, 53. I wish we were already in our 80s. 53. And again, don't forget, we have a uh, Twitter account out by the same name as the show, Curiously Polar, where you can follow news and interesting developments and get notifications about new episodes of this show. And we'll be back in a week with another one. Until then, everyone, take care.